iSiri was designed by Apple in California. And I never listened to I Doubt It with Dalimore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalimore. All right. Welcome to the show, my loyal and patient audience. I am your host, back at it again, and with the aid of modern pharmacology coming at you healthy from lovely Southern California, I am Jesse Dollimore, sitting across from me, disgusted as ever, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. I'm not disgusted. I'm also jovial, like you are. <laughs> you sound very happy to be back. Yeah. Or maybe you're just very happy to be feeling better. Well, it was a it was a close call. I mean, we had our sick day on right. Sunday. Right. Sunday. Yes. And uh, and then it was a close call because yesterday we had a whole, as you know, it's it's known in the church, um, a fucking fiasco. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, you lost your voice. I, it was, uh, yesterday was, I was way worse off yesterday than I was on Sunday when we didn't do a show. You could hardly even swallow. It was, but um bump I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't saying that. So I, I woke up and let's put it this way. Well, I'll, let me just go on with the story. I woke up in excruciating pain from a sore throat. On Tuesday. Right. And that sounds on its face like pussy shit. Like, mm-hmm. what? A sore throat. Fucking man up. Quit being a jerk off. Well, no. Sore throats are terrible. Yeah, but this was not your run-of-the-mill sore throat. Okay. I couldn't... I could barely move my tongue to talk. Yes. I would have to, like, engage full body flex to swallow. And then you would recoil and horror. Oh, it was terrible. So I decided... I got to go to the doctor. Right. And so I went to my my general practitioner doctor here at the, uh, I'm we're not going to say where or who, but because it was a bad experience, uh, a VA clinic, local Veterans Administration Medical Clinic, outpatient clinic mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. local, Orange County. I think that, uh, is it local? The, are they getting the message? I'm not sure if it's local <laughs> or not. Can you clarify right. that? It's pretty local. So... I go in and I meet with the, the nurse because they fit me in because I said, hey, it's whatever. And that's nice of them. Absolutely. The nurse is, she's beautiful. She's awesome. And she says to me, well, she goes, well, one thing, we need to set you an appointment because we haven't seen you in two years. Mm-hmm. So this should give the audience some kind of an idea of how little I like going to the doctor. Like for a physical. I ha- Yeah, I haven't seen them for anything mm-hmm. in, in over two years. So that, you know, that says something about my proclivity toward medical care. Well, I mean, you were at the ER for your foot, so I yeah, guess that doesn't count. Yeah, well, that's, that, that was, I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. Mm-hmm. So this is, I go in and she gives me that routine and then she, you know, looks at it and then goes and gets, tells the doctor that, you know, well, she's going to want to look at this. And then comes back and says, well, she said um, 
we'll I'm gonna swab your throat for a culture, and then uh, we'll we'll see ya. If it if it if it gets any worse, just go to the ER. Mm-hmm. Which then, is a 45 minute drive to Long Beach, California. Right, and then it averages you know a three hour wait. Right. So I. I'm a guy who likes to tamp down the anger, although you wouldn't think that by listening to the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as I'm walking out, and she seems, I'm getting from her the body language and the just how she's speaking that she's apologetic, that she's she's out of her control. She can't prescribe me something. She's a nurse. She can't override the doctor's decision. She can't force the doctor in there. Right. She has to go with what her her superiors tell her. Unfortunately. Yeah. So as I'm walking out, she says, well, you know, maybe you should get some cough drops. <laughs> Ugh. Are you, uh, really? First of all, that would it, that would create saliva, excess saliva, which I would have to swallow, which is going to cause excruciating pain. It's not going to work. So I left. You were in the waiting room with me because I didn't know if I was going to get drugged and you'd need to be driving or whatever. And we leave and I'm just silent. I'm so pissed off. Brittany convinces me, let's just drive up to Long Beach, go to the ER, which we did. It was about a three-hour thing. Yes. And they gave me two injections right in the ass mm-hmm. and gave me a bucket of pills. I've got, you know, my your, your standard, you know, your hydrocodone. I've got prednisone. But whatever steroid... And whatever the other thing in the other cheek that they gave me, the two... You got one shot in each cheek. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) So when you came out after your shots and tried to sit down, it was kind of a a sitch. It was an awkward... Yeah, it was not good. So what was remarkable is that... Well, she kept asking me, the physician's assistant who saw me, the awesome staff at the Long Beach VA Medical Center. Awesome. I have no complaints. They did a CAT scan. It was an ordeal. They drew a bunch of lab work. I'm going to find out. Maybe I'm just riding high from the injections and the hydrocodone right now. And maybe I'll get a phone call tomorrow saying that, you know, the fix is in and I'm fucked. Who knows? (laughs) I guess we'll see. So uh, this is an episode that almost didn't happen just based on the fact that I didn't think my voice was going to be up to it. Yeah, it was funny because the doctor actually asked you, is this how your voice normally is? (laughs) And I mean, his voice was gone. Well, I told I said, no, I said, I'm uh, it's an odd thing when you tell someone you're a podcaster and they look at you quizzically like that's not a real thing. Right. (laughs) Well, a lot of people still don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I said, no, I said, no, I have I am cursed with a wacky morning zoo DJ voice, although I said it like. That is how you were talking. Yeah, it was terrible. I couldn't move my tongue. Yeah. So anyway, that is it. Things are good. I am back. Well, for now. Although hyped up on the hydrocodone. Yeah, or the shot in the ass. And the shot right in the asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Those are not fun. Not not a good time. Very painful. But let me say, and maybe, maybe we'll get to this some other time, I want to kind of get into the medical profession and if you're in a business of of doing good for people in a helping profession everything about that clinic other than that nurse is a shit show yes you walk up and the little lady who's covered in tattoos not that that has anything to do with it but i'm just painting a picture she's like a 70 year old mexican lady who is covered in tattoos and she has a fucking so surly attitude. She was not nice. 
not friendly. She's the type that talks on the phone to a patient, hangs up, and immediately starts talking shit about the person from with whom she was just speaking. Well, after being rude to them as well. Right. But she was getting down on singing some of that uh, Isley Brothers. Yeah, and, <laughs> and she was criminally tone deaf. Well, I don't know about that because I... I'm also tone deaf, so yeah. I thought I thought she sounded great. I Her? was like, "Whoa, are the Isley Brothers here right now?" Because this sounds great. Her level of not knowing what key she's in is very similar to your level of not knowing what key is being sung. She's, yeah. Oh, I have no idea. It was uh, yeah, it was cr- criminal, felonious behavior. <laughs> Yours is just kind of a misdemeanor. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we'll move on. Thank you, audience. I really appreciate your patience. I know that uh, we make fun of me on the show a lot, that I'm the sick guy and whatever. And I think that was our third official sick day. Mm -hmm. And inside of 143 episodes, I think we've got a good running rate. So They still make me nervous, though. Well, I liked it. Well, we do something a little different where we actually do get on the air and say, hey, listen, we're not going to do an episode today. This is why. Da-da-da. You know what I mean? And I think that's maybe a little... I think we're going above and beyond. Listen, we put out two shows a week. That's several hours of content per week. That's. I think we're doing a good thing. Yeah, I just... I feel like we have to put out a short episode. Not even call it an episode. But I feel like we have to announce that Jesse will be sick since it's never me. <laughs> Because I just feel concerned about people waking up, refreshing their podcast page on their phone, and then not seeing the oh, we one. we feel an obligation to our audience. Right. So I, I get concerned precedent. yeah, about yeah. their feelings when they see no one on the I Doubt It With Dalmore logo right. on their podcast app. Yeah, yeah. I get you. And listen, we, we love you for your patience. We love you for your dedication. We love you for your loyalty. And now, we love you for listening to what will become... Episode 143. A little bit of follow-up. We covered a little bit of the Sandra Bland traffic stop, which subsequently ended up with her violent arrest and her death three days later in the jail. In, In due course, like with any kind of thing that happens these days, an insipid conspiracy theory started virally spreading that she was already dead in her mugshot. And the the theory was that they had take when she that she had died before that she was actually booked to the jail, like she was brought to the jail dead. Mm-hmm. They took the photograph of her dead body mm-hmm. and then three days later announced that she was dead from suicide. Mm-hmm. Now Brittany Gotten a little tussle, as it were, and as sometime ten- tends to be what happens on the Facebook about this very issue. And I want to talk about, one, the conspiracy theory, but I also want to talk about the damage that conspiracy d- theories do. But, but before the, I guess before we do that, let's talk about how the conspiracy theory got kind of buttfucked by the Waller County Jail to dispel all of those conspiracy theories going around about the death of Sandra Bland while in their custody. 
Investigators say Bland hung herself after spending several days in jail. Well, today, officials released several hours of footage of Bland, including her booking processing and even her mental health screening. Eyewitness News reporter Maya Shea is live now with a closer look at the video. Maya? Well, officials released the video that really fills in the gap between that traffic stop and the time Sandra Bland's body was discovered. They are hoping this video will satisfy some critics and help tamp down the rumors. And this video is the video released by Waller County officials this afternoon is voluminous and lengthy from the minute Sandra Bland was brought into the Waller County Jail on July 10th. This video has not been uh, altered or doctored. Uh, in any way. These are the raw files. County Judge Trey Duhon says he's releasing the video to try to tamp down the speculation on the internet that Bland was already dead when she was brought into jail. The video shows Bland changing from street clothes to an orange jail uniform and it shows her getting her muck jaws taken. The main reason we're here is to show, to provide video to the media and to, to the world that Sandra Bland was alive and well during her time you know, in, in the Waller County Jail up until Monday morning. The video also shows Bland getting arraigned for bond and then using the jail phone multiple times, trying to get someone to bail her out. I can count five to six times where she is using this phone and this, this jailer uh, is allowing her to do so. Duhon says another reason to release the hours upon hours of video to combat threats that's been hurled at county officials, including this one posted on YouTube by the group Anonymous. All your secrets will be leaked. You will all be vulnerable. We all know where you live. This is for Sandra Bland. No mercy for murderers. We've had a group that has posted a YouTube video that is encouraging other uh, individuals to engage in cyber attacks against our uh, our computer network. In addition to those security concerns, uh, county officials also released documents showing Sandra Bland did request twice for some Tylenol while she was incarcerated. And meanwhile, the investigation into the entire incident continues by the Texas Rangers and FBI. We're live in Hempstead. Maya Shea, 13, Eyewitness News. All right, thank you, Maya. Of course, you can watch more of this newly released footage, the full dash cam of Bland's arrest, and see our exclusive interviews with two of the women who were in the cell just across from Bland. All of that on ABC13.com right now. So it's not a surprise that the conspiracy theory that Sandra Bland was dead in her mugshot photo is wrong. Right, wildly speculative too. There's no evidence other than the fact of a, a bunch of people on Reddit or whoever these types are. We we actually personally know a few, but they they're oh well. Look at the her braids are like they're dipping down toward like the gravity. And why is her her nostrils look like her head's tipped? All these just wild speculation. They're not experts in the field of photographic forensics. Well, they're not experts in the field of anything because. <laughs> I mean, I had people sharing this meme, and these are just a couple of the um, 
excerpts from it. They say, folks are saying Sandra was dead in her mugshot and laying down in the photo. It's weird that you can see up her nose. And then it compares her mugshot with a selfie that she took. So they are determining the angle of the two different cameras right. that were used. Where selfies, typically you're taking it with the, ca- the, the, the camera lens right. well above your eye level. Right. Yeah. And then another one says, further, look at the color of the wall, then look at the color of the floor. Then mugshot. So they're saying she was lying dead on the floor. Oh, and the that's floor the color of, of her, yeah. the wall behind her. Right, right. And then there is a photo of a, a male right next to Sandra Bland. And the walls behind them are different. And it says, same jail he's standing in. Sandra Bland is laying down. That's odd. Something's not right here. We want answers. All of this is, I mean, you look at this meme And there's so many things wrong with it. But people were taking this as though it's fact. Someone literally said to me, no, this is a collection of facts. What's wrong with you? You're (laughs) closed minded. Well, that was the that was the the charge of the day on that particular thread that you were closed minded. Right. Someone literally said to me. You're very smart, but unlike me who admits when I'm wrong, you seem to be incapable of that. Now, this person, by the way, I have sent them the video that has been released. Right. That she was alive. Of her, right. And there's actually several things that indicate she was alive. That these cellmates that were in there with her had conversations with her for days. Um, she was inconsolable. Right. And they have phone records of her calling exactly from the jail phone. Right. Now this person has become aware of all this, has not corrected what they posted is not admitting that they're wrong but here's what really upsets me about conspiracy theories is that they detract from the focus on the real issues that's exactly right and we could have spent you know all this time wasted on arguing if she was dead in her mugshot creating memes that she was dead in her mugshot right you could have been talking about exactly what went wrong with the traffic stop what was unlawful about well, that that's the thing is that everyone in the discussion was all in agreement that what went down related to uh Encinia, or whatever his last name is the the officer the the wild and reckless power hungry cop that what went down between he and she Sandra Bland was unconscionable unacceptable unjustifiable it was ridiculous everybody agreed on that but they want to take it the step further that it doesn't need to be taken that she was murdered and then this entire conspiracy where a thousand different threads have to fit perfectly for it to be covered up. And all of these people have to be involved. And it's just, right. it's beyond the scope of reason. Well, and what's... what's and This person also believes 9-11 was an inside job. Shocker. What's also difficult is that, you know, they could have also spent this time talking about how the police knew that she had a previous suicide attempt just last year. Yeah. And... I mean, I'm sure her cellmate isn't the only one who noticed that she was crying heavily. Right. And they still didn't put her on suicide watch. They had, you know, items in the room that enabled her to kill herself. When someone has a previous suicide attempt, I mean, that needs to be a a sign that you need to get with the program. There is one thing. Well, here, I want to say this before we move on about the conspiracy theorists, because I know many of them. I'm close to many of them. Um, this person in question isn't a stupid person. They're not an idiot. He, he's an intelligent guy. He's got 
he's very technical. He's got an awesome skill set. He seems to be, I, I'm, I've never met him. You went to high school with him. He seems to be a personable, a decent human being who really cares about humanity. Mm-hmm. The problem is this fits the narrative that he wants to have be the case. So he's blinded that his viewpoint is completely irrational and doesn't line up with what is probable, likely, or even possible many times. Well, you know what? You don't need to lie in order to advance the narrative that police brutality is is out of control, that there is inequality between the races from treatment by police. You don't need to lie in order to advance those arguments. It's it's up in everyone's face that that's the case. Right. It's happening every day. It's happening all the time. It's happening almost every single day. Right. The reality of what happened to Sandra Bland is the most important thing to talk about because it's it's the worst possible thing that could have happened. Right. It happened. And everyone should stick with that. But what's more troubling to me about people that believe in these conspiracy theories is a lot of them tend to be like skeptics or atheist agnostic. They purport themselves to be. Right. I mean, there's a lot of those in that community. And, well, I don't know. Now that I'm saying that, do you know a lot of religious people that are conspiracy theorists? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is it more religious people? I don't know. I've noticed a lot of people, we know people who are steeped in a religious tradition Mm -hmm. and have lately just come, they've kind of transitioned into this conspiratorial mindset where they believe Operation Jade Helm is really trying to take over the state of Texas, which is already a part of the United States. There's no taking over that needs to happen. Right. I mean, it's... It's weird, but I have I say it tongue-in-cheek, and I haven't really given it much analysis, but I have always thought that if you bought into a giant conspiracy that is Christianity or religion in general, it's easy for you to believe in the little conspiracies when you've already bought into the big one, you know? Well, it's interesting because the, the most prominent conspiracy theorists that I am friends with are also in the skeptic atheist community, yeah. and they aren't skeptics. Because skeptics and conspiracy theories do not go together. No, they don't. No, you have to. You want to weigh, challenge the the items of quote unquote evidence that are out there. Right, and and in those communities, people advance this argument of wanting to be as factual as possible. Wait to have an opinion to base their opinion on evidence. And that's not what ends up happening in these situations as evidenced by this conspiracy theory about Sandra Bland. There was no evidence yeah. on which to base that theory, but people were running with it. Running with it. And arguing with me and telling me I'm closed-minded or anyone who was arguing against them. I'm I'm very tempted to edit the thread to take out identifying information. And post it because it's laughable. It's in especially in in uh, given the hindsight. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it's come on, goddamn. That's frustrating. Yeah, but it's okay. Um, kind of in line with this, and not necessarily the the conspiracy side of this, but about the 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 arrest and and the 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 mistreatment and the imbalance of behavior relative to cops toward blacks. Uh, 538, we love 538, they put together uh, an article talking about that being arrested is nearly twice as deadly for blacks than whites in America when arrested. Or I guess I said that. 
<laughs> yes. So 538 says the investigation being conducted by the Texas Rangers and the FBI will help determine what happened to Bland specifically. But we can put her death in context with national statistics on death in custody and arrest related deaths. The data includes demographic information, so you can see how it varies by race. Among whites, African-Americans, and Hispanics being held in local jails, African-Americans are the least likely to commit suicide. Instead, illnesses, and heart disease in particular, are the most common causes of deaths for black inmates while in custody. White inmates are five times as likely to commit suicide in jail as blacks. Although African-Americans are at a lower risk of death in local jails than whites overall, largely because of the higher rate of suicide among white inmates, they face a higher risk of arrest-related deaths specifically. Among every 100,000 black people who are arrested, 5.6 die, compared to only three of every 100,000 white arrestees. Wow. Wow. Those are stark numbers. So... This leads back to the point Brittany made that you don't need the conspiracy theories to bolster your point. The data and the statistics bear it out. Right. And that they, there is an imbalance with the way cops treat blacks relative to how they treat whites. Right. And they also have arrest-related death by homicide stats. So African-American arrestees are at a considerably higher rate of arrest-related death by homicide than whites. Those homicides are overwhelmingly likely to be committed by law enforcement personnel, not just other jail inmates. And they give a footnote here that says homicides include both justifiable and criminal homicides. And that's an important point. The U.S. Justice Department counted 2,958 arrest-related homicides between 2003 and 2009. 99% of those were committed by law enforcement. Wow. Yes. Wow. Well, look, this just just yesterday, the Samuel DeBuse case mm-hmm. in Ohio, is it? This 43-year-old guy who got pulled over by a campus security officer, a police officer, but a college campus guy, um, I think it's the University of Cincinnati, Right, pull, and pulls the, him over. The officer was 25 years old, yeah. by the way. Pulls this guy over, this 43-year-old man, for his front plate not being displayed. He didn't have a front license plate. So the inter- interaction goes downhill from there. He tries to open the guy's door and yank him out of the car. The guy pulls his car door shut, and there was a little bit of a tussle that ensued. There was almost no warning. The video is super quick, like seven seconds or something. He pulls the gun, shoots him in the head, and kills him. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. However, the good news is the cop has already been summarily dismissed, and in, he's being indicted for murder. Well, only because he was wearing a body camera. I would say only because is an accurate statement. Because who knows what he would have said if it wasn't on video. I got a message from a Facebook friend today who is just as, as perplexed as I am about the issue. And he said, can we go like two days without a cop shooting an unarmed person? Right. I mean... And then at the same time, we messaged one another. I said, no shit, what the fuck is happening? And he said, holy fuck, man, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Th- those messages got sent at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. It's, it is, this isn't the country that I signed up for. Th- this isn't some totalitarian state 
where the police powers are just overwhelming. You need to tamp it down there, guy. Do your job and protect and serve and uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States, which you, you, you swore an oath to do. It's disgusting to me. Oh, well, it's scary more than anything else, too. Well, it's not as scary for us being, you know, middle-income white people. It's, it's a bummer. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, we are headed towards some sort of social or cultural revolution about the matter. Because it's one place, this is one time that, I mean, look, in my short life, that I'm seeing blacks and whites coming together to to rage against one particular injustice. This is happening. And hey, let's not detract from the real conversation with conspiracy theories. <laughs> Please. All right. Now, this isn't necessarily follow-up coming up here, but this is because, you know, the Mormons came over when Ryan Bell was here and they said they would come on the show and then their mission president or whatever said, no, hell no, you're not going on some atheist podcast. <laughs> Even though we're not specifically an atheist podcast, we're just a podcast I was gonna that happens you to as be well. hosted by atheists. Mm -hmm. Well, in the news this week, the 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 muckety-mucks, the what-have-yous, the power players in the Church of Latter-day Saints are getting together to discuss the topic of possibly breaking their 100-year tie with the Boy Scouts of America. And this article is from Deseret News. Ah, Salt Lake City paper. Going right to the source. The future relationship between the Boy Scouts of America and the LDS Church is now uncertain after the scouting body voted Monday to rescind a nationwide ban on gay scout leaders. Dum, 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 dum. Prompting strong words of concern from the church and a promise to reevaluate its century long affiliation with the organization. Dum, 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 dum. Quote The church has always welcomed all boys to its scouting units, regardless of sexual orientation, church spokesman Eric Hawkins said in a prepared statement. However, the admission of openly gay leaders is inconsistent with the doctrines of the church and what have traditionally been the values for the Boy Scouts of America. Dum, 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 dum. Boy Scout leaders said the decision, which was passed by a 45 to 12 vote of its national board and is effective immediately, will allow religious organizations to continue appointing adult leaders using their own criteria. But the LDS Church statement said church leaders are deeply troubled by the vote by the national board to allow gay scout leaders. I <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm pretty goddamn proud of myself right now. <laughs> we can tell. Real proud. Wow. That couldn't have worked out any better. That was awesome. What's not awesome is the bigoted behavior of the Mormon church. And like I said, that we'll have to wait and see. The jury is out relative to the, the church's posturing because as we reported... Um, shortly after June 26th, the SCOTUS decision relative to marriage equality for all, the Mormon church made a, a, a sizable donation. I think it was $250,000 or something, a, a sizable donation to a LGBT community center in the Salt Lake, greater Salt Lake area. And I said at the time, well, we'll see if they may 
be just doing this as a, a PR move because in the future we'll see really what their attitudes are toward gays and lesbians. And we're seeing right now with this Boy Scout behavior, we'll see what the vote happens, but it's not looking good. Well, and it's apparently so serious for the church that the church spokesman, Eric Hawkins, said that the church is considering the possibility of creating an international program similar to scouting and also made available for young men ages 12 to 18. Right. Well, it's like the Assemblies of God. They've got their own version of the Boy Scouts. I think it's the the wrong, Young Rangers or the... the It's something stupid, but it's like Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. And it's completely Jesus-centric, obviously. All right. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. We got a big one this week, and it will be conspicuously Trump-free. Yep. Won't it? Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Which makes me happy, because I don't like reporting on the hairpiece. And the reason is, and we... I've talked about this before, that this is kind of a flash-in-the-pan type of thing. And if you follow the history of politics and the history of these campaigns, you'd know that there are events like this early on. And keep in mind, at this time next year, we'll still be, we'll still be like four months out to the presidential election. A year from today. (laughs) So it's... We've got a long road ahead of us relative to the entire thing playing out. But we posted some poll numbers today on the Facebook page, which you should go and like. And while I'm saying all this, if you have anything to say about anything we've said. (laughs) uh, Ever in the history of the show. In the history of the show, call us and let us know on our voicemail line. 657-464-7609. If you're voicemail averse... Email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. So going forward with, with the topic, as I interrupted myself, um, we posted some poll numbers from this exact time period in 2007 leading up to the election in 2008. Right. So it was July 27th to July 30th, 2007. Right. That's right now. And Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani, had 33%. Right. Where Trump is. Former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, had 33% approval, or he was the lead, the lead candidate, kind of like Trump. So in second place, where Jeb Bush is currently, right. is Thompson. Was. Fred Thompson. Former senator from Tennessee. And you're the only person that knows that. No, he's also an actor. He he was in he was in that uh in the Line of Fire movie with Clint Eastwood. He played himself in uh, All the President's Men, the 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 Watergate 
movie about Nixon. Isn't he in like a gold commercial? No, he's in that uh, where he's walking down the street talking about reverse mortgages or whatever. Oh, mortgages. And he's yeah. like, isn't that right, Jesse? You know, the, the newspaper guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's in one of those, like insurance or something. That's how I know him. You know him from more than just that. No, I know him from that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> And also when he had 20% in the polls in 2007. Listen, he was a he, he was an iconic senator and a, you know, a, a nice guy. I did have occasion to meet him a few times and he's he was a good guy. He Name I was hopeful. Drop. I was hopeful, yeah, right. I was hopeful for his presidential campaign, but he's just an old dude and I don't think he had the energy and had what it took to really get out there and press the flesh and have the rigorous and uh, energy depleting schedule that they have to have. Mm-hmm. So he very, I think after the first debate, just fucking packed it in and left. So in third is John McCain, 17%. Right. Who ended up getting the nomination. Right. In fourth was Romney with 11%. And then tied for fifth, evidently, was Ron Paul, another Thompson. Tommy Thompson. And Brownback. Tommy Thompson, who ended up, I think, being the um, who was the Health and Human Services secretary under Bush, I think. And then finally, we had Huckabee, Hunter, and Tancredo tied yeah, yeah. for last. Yeah. So Huckabee has always been kind of at the right, bottom. And those percentages were even greater than the ones that are out there right now. Uh, Giuliani had 33%. Right. And, and, and Thompson had 20%. Where the polls right now, the first place, uh, Trump, I think he has 18. Right. And then I think Bush has like 15 or something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like a, a, a very slight margin between the two. So rest assured, those of you who care, I'm sure Democrats are champing at the bit, really hoping Trump gets the nomination because Cl- uh, Hillary will smash his head with a brick Wow. in the general election, if that's the case. But it's not going to be the case so bernie sanders this week has gone on kind of a rampage well that might be a little strong but he's had to answer questions relative to defending his record on guns bernie sanders on sunday called for lawmakers to find quote common ground on gun legislation amid the massacre in lafayette louisiana and dismissed criticism of his mixed record on gun control. Quote, As a nation, we can't continue screaming at each other. We'll have to find common ground. Coming from a rural state, I think I can communicate with folks. <laughs> Coming from urban states, where guns mean different things than they do in Vermont, where they are used for hunting. That's where we have to go. We don't have to argue with each other and yell at each other. We need a common sense solution. Despite his liberal views on most issues, Bernie Sanders has voted against certain gun control bills in the Senate and the House. His positions are largely in line with those of his constituents. Vermont has traditionally had high gun ownership rates and lax gun laws. In 1993, Sanders opposed the Brady Bill, which imposed mandatory background checks and a five-day waiting period on gun purchases. Wow. Sanders also authorized a bill that protects gun manufacturers from lawsuits, a measure for which the NRA heavily lobbied. The NRA endorsed Sanders in his first congressional election in 1990, though since then it has given him mostly DNF ratings. After the Sandy Hook shooting in 2012, he reversed his previous position and voted for an expansion of background checks. He, listen, I, I think Bernie Sanders is 
of all his his stances, I think his gun stance is probably most in line with, or I could get behind that of any of his things. Mm-hmm. He's way he's way too wacky social democratic socialist for me for sure. However, you know I generally agree with him on guns. I'm a little bit more out there. I'm a little bit more conservative. I'm a little bit more true to the Constitution on guns than many. I think that uh, I, I think background checks are great. I think keeping guns out out of the hands of the criminal and the mentally deficient, the mentally ill, should be a top priority. I think closing loopholes from from a lot those loopholes that are currently being used by the mentally ill and the criminal to get guns should be closed. But I do not believe that we should ban assault weapons, quote-unquote assault weapons. That's that's just a hunting rifle that looks scary. We need common sense, like he said, reform. Well, and to him, the common sense solution is having people from urban states understand that guns are for hunting. Yeah, well, that's I mean, that's what I'm picking up on from his quote. Is that kind of what he's saying? Well, no. I mean, yes, that's what he's saying in that quote, but that's not how he's voted. That's not what his record reflects relative to to guns. Because guns mean different things in Vermont. Well, that's a problem because it doesn't matter. The Constitution doesn't apply in one way in one state and another way in another. Mm -hmm. We have equal protection under the law. We're all equal. If you live in Chicago... If you're a black person who lives in the inner city of Chicago, you you live under the same constitution as the white upper middle class guy who lives in Vermont. Just because you're black and live in a high crime area doesn't preclude you from owning a weapon. Right. So on Sunday, Sanders dismissed criticism from Democrats on his prior opposition to gun control measures and defended his support for universal background checks, a ban on assault weapons, and closing the gun show loophole. Ooh, that's kind of unlike uh, Bernie Sanders, if you if you ask me. he's He doesn't seem to me to be a flip-flopping kind of guy, but it sounds like he's kind of moving in that direction on this one. He said, quote, nobody should have a gun who has a criminal background, was involved in domestic abuse situations. People should not have guns who are going to hurt other people who are unstable. And second of all, I believe that we need to make sure that certain types of guns used to kill people exclusively, not for hunting, they should not be sold in the United States of America. Anyway. All right. Up next. So much for you being able to get behind. Yeah. Well, not with all that. Like I said, he's shifting. He's. He's vacillating on his position, and it's it's a bummer. It's it's bummer to to watch it fold unfold. It's it's no good. Hillary Clinton email controversy is kind of uh, raising its ugly head once again relative to the Benghazi testimony. She has agreed to testify again before the House Select Committee, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So in terms of the email situation, there is a two-month gap in Hillary Clinton's emails that coincides with violence in Libya and the employment status of one of her top aides, Huma Abedin. Which is Anthony Weiner's wife, maybe ex-wife now? I don't know. I think they stayed together. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's problematic that there's a two-month gap that happens to coincide right when the Benghazi bullshit was going on. 
That's that's a problem. Among the approximately 2,000 emails released by the State Department from former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's private account, there is a conspicuous two-month gap. So far, there are no emails between Clinton and her State Department staff during May and June 2012, a period of escalating violence in Libya leading up to the September 11th attack on the U.S. consulate in Benghazi that left four Americans dead. A State Department spokesman told the Daily Beast that for the year 2012, only those emails related to the security of the consulate or the U.S. diplomatic presence in Libya were made public and turned over to a House committee investigating the fatal Benghazi assault. But if that's true, according to the Daily Beast, then neither Clinton nor her staff communicated via email about the escalating dangers in Libya during those two crucial months. Yeah. Which seems unlikely, right? Well, it would be a, a dereliction of duty if she wasn't communicating during that critical time when Americans, when a, a, a United States ambassador had been murdered on the anniversary of September 11th. It, that's a big deal. There's no way, there is no way that she wasn't emailing and communicating with her staff. It's just fucking impossible. I just wanted to note that the Daily Beast added an update to this article and said that they want to make clear that the State Department is releasing Clinton's emails, not Hillary Clinton herself. Right. She's already released the 55,000 pages. Right. And they also want to say that email is not the only way that the State Department officials can communicate. So they just want to add these in. Apparently, there's something happening behind the scenes. Hillary Clinton's so tech unsavvy, so untechnologically, she doesn't have any ability that she had to have her own server and one device because she didn't have what it took to have two devices. But she's able to manage all these other. Maybe she was just faxing people. Who knows? But do right. you, do you want to make a quick comment on their reactions to the Planned Parenthood video? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was um, it was uh, surprising and refreshing to me her her take on the Planned Parenthood thing, we, which we haven't talked about. We might want to briefly mention. Right. So we haven't talked about it partly because it's very complicated and also because what's that say about us? Well, we didn't want to talk about it because. It was too complicated for us. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not It's not that. It's that, well, first of all, there's this organization, Center for Medical Progress. It sounds really it official. Sounds, it sounds good, but they're, they're a right-wing anti-abortion lobby. Right. So they went undercover and recorded some video of conversations they had with individuals that are high up in the Plant Parenthood establishment that's right yeah in the organization and they took a woman to dinner and she's shoveling food into her face while talking very callously about organizations that don't well this is where the the rub is it's i would say organizations that buy the organs of aborted fetuses whether it be brains or limbs or livers and kidneys and hearts and she's talking about it in a way that is, you know, like she's talking about going skiing it's gr- or something. Not even that. It's gross. It is It is callous and um, no heart. It really is. It shows how disconnected she is from a very emotional and serious topic. Right. So during the conversation, they're talking about, you know, how you can perform abortions in a certain way to preserve certain body parts that are in high demand. 
So that's kind of the problematic conversation. It's, well, is plant parent, is plant parenthood committing a felony by selling body parts? Because that would be a felony. This is what the, the center for medical progress is alleging. Or is Planned Parenthood just paying for costs associated with transporting the body parts to the scientific donation centers, mm-hmm. which is what Planned Parenthood is saying. And that's legal. If, if it's just like shipping and handling, if it's just the handling cost and the shipping cost, then that's fine. But the problem is that there's no hard and fast numbers or details or specifications if they want to say, oh, yeah, well, it's, you know, $5,000 for that little little fetus kidney, then but what if that's going to be the shipping cost and the handling cost. They can do that. So here's what I meant by it's complicated. The Center for Medical Progress released onto its YouTube channel an eight-minute edited video of this conversation. Now, the original video is like over two hours long. Yeah, yeah. So what I mean by complicated is I want to sit down and watch that entire oh, video. I see what you're saying. But, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like watching The Gladiator. I'd much rather watch The Gladiator <laughs> in that amount of time or Braveheart. Than that woman sitting there drinking her wine and right. shoveling salad into her face. Right, listening to her talk like that. So anyway, now that you know what happened, and by the way, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you've watched the over two-hour video... <laughs> Please tell me about it. Absolutely. 657-464-7609. Get in touch with us on the Facebook page or as always, email idoubtitatdollamore.com. So Hillary Clinton called these videos disturbing. She said, I have seen pictures from them and I obviously find them disturbing. Planned Parenthood is answering questions and will continue to answer questions. I think there are two points to make. One, Planned Parenthood for more than a century has done a lot of really good work for women cancer screenings, family planning, all over our country. And if there's going to be any kind of congressional inquiry, it should look at everything, not just one part of it. And that is the the, the insightful point that I think is great. That she's she is troubled by the tone with which the woman was speaking. And also, um, that if there is going to be an investigation, which it doesn't sound like she's in, opposed to, there should be a, an all-encompassing investigation around the entire practice of charging for the shipping and handling or whatever, and also just the procurement of disposable organs from aborted fetuses. You know, it's, abortion's a touchy thing on any front, no matter where you stand on it, but we want to do the right thing the ethical thing, the moral thing relative to this as a society. And Bernie Sanders, just to note this, he also called the tone of the woman in the video terribly wrong. So he also feels that it was disturbing. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, One more thing on Hillary Clinton, and that is bad news for her. (laughs) Uh, The latest Quinnipiac poll released on July 22nd kind of indicates that she's in trouble. Right. Hillary Clinton is behind or on the wrong side of a too-close-to-call result in matchups with three leading Republican contenders, Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, and Scott Walker. In Colorado, Iowa, and Virginia. <laughs> Big states. Right. Iowa's not as important because it's not as swingy, but Colorado and Virginia are both very important swing states. And I'm going to talk about him right now just because it's here. Uh, Donald Trump has negative favorability ratings of almost two to one in each state. 
Yeah, yeah. So not so good for him. In several matchups in Iowa and Colorado, Bernie Sanders runs as well as or better than Clinton against Rubio, Bush, and Walker. Wow. Joseph Biden does not do as well. (laughs) He hasn't even declared. So Clinton also is getting markedly negative favorability ratings in each state. 35 to 56% in Colorado, 33 to 56% in Iowa, and 41 to 50% in Virginia. Unfavorable. That's negative favorability ratings. And that's with Democratic voters. Right. So that's a problem. There's a lot of time to turn that around, and the Clinton machine is adept at doing that. So we'll see what happens. All right. Moving on out of Dalamocracy and into the next... This week on Fox News, on that terrible show, Outnumbered, which is like five women on this circular couch and one dude. It's such a fucking just freak show over there. It's like the worst The View ever. Right. It's like The View. It's like their, their corny ass, stupid morning show. It's It's just the worst amalgam of all the terrible news shows that there are. Um... So in this one, it's it's Judge Napolitano, who I actually like. Oh, he was on Outnumbered? Yeah, he was on Outnumbered. That's very strange. And like Ainsley Earhart and some woman I don't know and that terrible Greek girl. A- Andrea Tantaneros. And Andrea Tantaneros. And then a couple others that I don't really know. We don't watch a lot of Fox, so I don't know everybody. But they're talking about in this case... There's a there's a township in Missouri that just put on their the back of their police cruisers, in quotes, in God we trust. Sheriff Doug Rader of Stone County in the Ozarks said he was proud to announce that the decals are now on the back of department vehicles, but not everyone is pleased. Quote, very simple, and I'll state for the record, I'm not offended that these decals exist. It's inappropriate to have them on government property. No voting required. It's a violation of church and state. Anyway, this is like the worst comment that someone could have found. And I I was having to edit it as I was reading it. And it's because this is a Fox News article. And well, I don't want to say that, I guess. But you just did. Okay. And it stays. All right. Well, I I didn't mean it. Um, All right. Dispense with the article. So so you get the picture. This is all going down and they're going to talk about it. On the aforementioned Fox News, outnumbered. A Missouri sheriff facing a lot of backlash after putting decals on the back of patrol cars in Stone County that simply say, quote, in God we trust. It's the national motto. It's printed on all of our money, but people are upset. One man posting on Facebook, quote, very simple, and I'll state for the record, I'm not offended that these decals exist. It's inappropriate to have them on government property. No voting required. It's a violation of church and state. You are showing a preference to a religion. How is this such a mystery? The sheriff reacting to the negativity earlier today. Watch this. I'm mad because I'm mad this is even an issue. Um, there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of sheriff's departments and police departments across this nation, probably thousands that have in God we trust on the back of their cars. But I've been picked out as the one that uh, they want to come after. And that's fine. But where where's our patriotism? Mm. Uh, anytime anybody wants to be patriotic and make a symbol nowadays, they're they're attacked. 
Okay, so let me tell you what the Supreme Court has <laughs> ruled. Yeah. The Supreme Court has ruled that the phrase, in God we trust, does not violate the First Amendment and does not violate the separation of church and state any more than under God does in the Pledge of Allegiance to the Flag or saying in a courtroom, God save the United States and this honorable court. But is it divisive? to put this on the back of a police car, Ms. Raginsky. I would not, and I am going to say something that's going to get me so much hate mail, but here, bring it on. Say it anyway. Uh, I'm going to say it Ainsley anyway. Will defend Thank you, you Ainsley. Yes. I'm sure oh, no, Ainsley will not defend me in this. I <sighs> don't agree with the court. Separation of church and state means don't bring, if you want to put in God we trust on a bumper sticker and put it on your car, great. Don't put it on my money. Don't put it on government property. Take it out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Not because I okay, hate God. Not, and not, not, we I, I, I get it. I get it's legal. Hold on. Hold on. Yes. How do you think they purchased the cruisers with Monopoly money? What, God gave it to them? <laughs> no, it says in God we trust on I the get dollars it. that we're used no, no, to no, buy no, the cars. No, you're, missing my, you're, missing, you're missing my point. I, I agree that it's legal. I would prefer that in God we trust not be on our money, not be on government property. I think it is divisive. Julie, and I think it is offensive uh, to atheists and to other people who may not believe in God. Judge, uh, she's I the know, minority. I know. She's I'm minority. absolutely she the minority is, she here. Is the, she is the minority Do you here, disagree but, with what I'm well, saying? I, I disagree with what you're saying Why? because the I, I agree with the court. The, the yeah. phrase in God we trust has become so passe. I don't think anybody looks at it on their cash. I don't think anybody Adam. feels offended when they use a dollar Julie bill. Julie does, apparently. I actually do. I've always That's said crazy. that. I, I know that everybody disagrees with me on this. I get it. This is not uh, because, about, and by the way, it's okay. not because I hate what God. Don't this? send me what crazy. When you send her hate mail, take get... my Twitter handle <laughs> off. Should the sheriff be concerned with people that have sensibilities like Julie's? Um, Maybe, and then the sheriff can give his officers the choice to put that sticker on the back of their car. If they feel as strongly against it, like Julie does, then don't put it on there. No, they're but saying the these majority, are government vehicles, though. Well, the majority of... The majority of Americans, 77% believe in some sort of God. The majority are Christians. You have 23%. This is according to Pew Research. They surveyed 35,000 people last year. 23% are atheists or agnostic. And the majority should win in this case. Also, if you don't believe in God, here's my thought. If you don't believe in God, why do you get so offended by the word God? Because you would think it was just... Well, first of all, let me start by saying I do believe in God. So, again, I don't want to hear it from everybody. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you're but, ready to. But, but I'm ready to anyway. But I do want to say that it is because we protect the rights of the minority. And there are... Listen, we have separation of church and state what in this country. What about the majority? Okay, I'm the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. What about the rest of the country? Great. 77%. Easily, put it on your car. I don't have a problem with you putting it on your car. I do have a big problem with government taking religion on in its public domain. But if the you? Supreme Court the same ruled, reason, if the Supreme yeah. Court ruled, I disagree, with, I disagree with the court. The same way I disagree with having a crush on, on City Hall property or anything else. Take it out of the public space. The court has ruled the other way on that. If you I, don't I get arrested and do anything bad, you won't even have to look at the cruise. You know what? So I'm, I'm always ready to get arrested. so cool when she gets mad. I love when Ainsley gets fired at. I love that. Yes, girl, the tyranny of the minority. Gotta defend my guy. Uh. Gotta defend him. All right, Southern Firecracker over here. Ah, oh, damn. Ugh. The tyranny of the minority. Did you hear her tone? That's the thing that bothers me. Out of all that was said, it was this. What about this country? the majority? Okay, I'm the so majority. I'm tired of protecting the minority. At the end there, I'm so tired of protecting the minority. Listen to her tone. 
to say to this country. What about the majority? Okay, the majority. I'm tired of protecting the minority. She's legitimately angry. Yeah, I've never seen her in any other role other than journalist, and I am very disturbed by this. It, It is unbelievable. I wonder if as she was saying it, as the words were crossing her tongue and leaving her stupid mouth, if she was regretting having said it. Because it's a it's a deplorable thing. It's an un-American thing to say. Yeah, it's it's completely amazing in the worst way. But it reminds me of the Christopher Hitchens quote that we always like to like to read. Don't take refuge in the false security of consensus and the feeling that whatever you think, you're bound to be okay because you're safely in the moral majority. Yeah. People are so comforted by this idea that, well, I'm the majority. You're in the minority. You must be wrong. I've had many people, when discussing my atheism, they would say, well, you know, that the vast majority of people believe in God. <laughs> okay. I do know that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's mm-hmm. off. I used to be one of them. Yes. So, yeah, I, I get it. That's, but that's not an argument against my position. Mm-hmm. You know, in 1950, the majority of people believed it was immoral and sinful to marry someone who was black if they were white. Well, they were right just because they were the majority. <laughs> and they're tired. Of this vocal minority. That's the problem. That's where the the, the difficulty comes in for these people. Because for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, if you were in the majority, you had power. And and the, the majority, like atheists, you had to just be quiet for fear of being killed. For fear of being punished by the church or by a mob. It's not that way anymore. We Atheists can be outspoken. That's why they call us new atheists. The only only thing that's new about us is that we're okay about unabashedly proclaiming that we don't believe in any gods. Mm -hmm. And that's something that she said is why are atheists offended by the word God? And it's it's not that I don't I don't know anyone that is offended by the word God. It's almost like that. That show, What Would You Do? They recently just had a scenario where an atheist was, an actress was playing an atheist and they were in a restaurant. And the show, What Would You Do? is a reality show, a hidden camera reality show where some scenario happens and they see how regular people react. So in this scenario, an actress was playing an atheist and then an an actor family was praying in a restaurant. And the atheist that was the actress starts freaking out that this family is praying and like, can you please not do that it offends me can you stop praying right to see how the other people in the restaurant would react uh hey what would you do that would never happen i i i know hundreds and hundreds of atheists i don't know anyone who would make a scene and confront the family telling them not to pray we might snicker quietly at the table making fun because you know having a good time with it with your group but never would someone make a scene? I don't know anyone who would. Right. So if they could make, you know, realistic scenarios, but it's like what she said. Well, here, here's the answer to her question. Why do you care? And I really don't care about In God We Trust on our money. I don't really care about In God We Trust on the back of these cars. What, the reason I care, though, about this issue in general, if I don't believe in God, is because people who do believe in God fervently and devoutly are guiding the policy of the United States in ways that are bigoted, 
and discriminatory toward gays and lesbians and other groups that don't jive with their mythology. That's why I care, and that's why that it matters. Yes, and I wonder if Ainsley Earhart has apologized or uh. realized that uh, she needs to release some sort of statement pretending that that's not really what's in her heart because she needs to do something like that to protect her image because this is really horrible. I yeah. mean, saying that you are so sick of defending the minority. Just what about this country. the majority? Okay, I'm the so major- tired of protecting the minority. The majority is fine. That's why it's the majority. Right. They're going to be okay. It's the job of the majority to look out for the minority that they're not that they're not being trampled upon. Maybe she's Ainsley. Maybe she's nervous because the majority is rapidly becoming the minority. <laughs> Ugh. You know, for a long time I've been holding on to not talking about the monster that is Pat Robertson. However, and we're not going to get to all four of these clips because we're, we've run long and I, you know, I don't want to have this be a, uh, a long, crazy-ass show. So we're just going to pick these last two clips that I have here of the venerable Pat Robertson taking emails from his lovely and loyal audience. Okay, Pat, this is from Eugene, who says, <clears throat> excuse me, my wife and I are lifelong 700 Club members. We often hear how the Republicans are so against abortion and Democrats are so pro-choice. But this was not the case on the Roe v. Wade decision. Three Nixon appointees, Blackman, Powell, Berger, and two Eisenhower appointees, Brennan and Stewart, comprised a Republican majority, even without the two Democrats, Marshall and Douglas, voting. Why are these men not called out for the genocide against the unborn? Why did they all live to be such an old age after committing such a despicable act that has brought a curse upon the land? Please set the record straight. Well, you'll have to ask God why he didn't kill him. I, 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 I'm not in charge of, of, of the death or life of the Supreme Court judges. <laughs> so it's in God's hands whether they live a long life. But that thing was called Blackman's abortion, and Blackman indeed was a Nixon appointee. You're absolutely right. It was an incredibly bad decision. It, it, it was based on no science, nothing that that was there, but they picked up stuff from Planned Parenthood and other, uh, uh, well, population. The wealthy people of our country wanted to make sure that the black uh, and and the the less fortunate didn't outbreed us. So they wanted to make sure the population of those people stayed small. I know that sounds gross, but that's what they believed. And then they had Margaret Sanger uh, who was saying that black people are inferior, that southern white people are inferior, that uh, uh, European Protestants are inferior. I mean, she went all the way down the line. She wanted eugenics. And so they bought into that. But it was a horrible decision. And you're absolutely right. Being Republican or being Democrat does not mean the Supreme Court is going to go along with with righteousness. And in that case, it certainly didn't. All right. Uh God damn with that guy. I, I just, I don't understand how a guy who claims to be a man of God can sit there and talk about the death of a Supreme Court justice. Oh, I don't know. I'm not in charge of who God kills. 
Yeah, I still take issue with the woman who sits next to him and reads him the questions. And I feel like her difficulty in the beginning there is like a sign that she should accept. Oh, yeah, like a like subliminal or, a, you know, unconscious. Yeah, like maybe it's time to resign and stop Yeah. aiding in this situation. It's terrible. Well, here's the thing. And I we we have a lot of listeners who write in and say, all right, fuck, enough with the Pat Robertson. But the thing is, is... That person that wrote in was a lifelong 700 Club supporter. Yeah, that's crazy. That means they give money. They take heed at the advice and the counsel of Pat Robertson. He has a large, loyal audience. So it is, it, I mean, what needs to happen is for him to just, in due course, and I think it's coming soon, he doesn't look well, uh, he's going to go the way of those Supreme Court justices. In this next clip, well, I'll just, it's its in true Pat Robertson form. Here we go. This is Thomas, Pat, who says, the pro-abortion community says the fetus isn't a human until born, but they're obviously human enough to harvest their very human body parts. Yet there are legal experts that say these actions may fall within legal parameters. How could this kind of sociopathic hypocrisy possibly be legal? Well, the whole thing is screwed up. When you have uh, Roe versus Wade, was called Blackman's abortion. It, it, it didn't base on any law whatsoever, and he made it up on sociological, faulty sociological grounds. And uh, uh, we have this confusion. The Supreme Court has ruled on so many things, and they, they, they've messed things up because uh, they haven't allowed the. The, the reason or the uh, our collective uh, consciousness to, to play, but they've come up with these uh, strange rules. Same thing about separation of church and state, etc. So, you know, it's hypocrisy, yes. And you watch what's going to happen now. They've just said, they said abortion is a constitutional right. They have said homosexuality is a constitutional right. They've said now homosexual marriage is a constitutional right. Watch what happens. Love affairs between men and animals going to be absolutely prohibited. I mean, permit, permitted. Uh, polygamy, without question, is going to be permitted, and it will be called all right. And you more and more and more they're going to break down children. the barriers. There have been groups that have been trying to push that for a long time. Well, they hey, will succeed lady. now because the you know intellectually you can't you can't get around these Supreme Court decisions. Yeah. The problem is. The people can't move any longer. Their elected officials can't make any decisions. And consequently, we are stuck with a fixed doctrine of five old men on the Supreme Court. Five men with black robes. They're not all old anymore. Okay. I feel so betrayed. I thought that that woman was being held hostage in that position. And oh. then she offers up that terrible nugget. Apparently, it's not a subconscious thing going on she's uh, a terrible human being who believes that the next after men get to have sex and relation have love affairs with animals the next one is consensual relationships legal relationships between grown adults and children well consensual will never happen because that will never right. happen so it, it is this is a disgust. I mean, I, listen, I'm preaching, preaching to the choir, I'm sure, that no rational human being can take this, this stance. It is, it's sickening. And it depresses me that he has, I mean, he's, at the very least, he's worth $200 million. 
because of donations from his flock. Ugh. All right. As always, we are going to leave you happy because that is what we do. Taking care of biz. Just everyone. Everyone is taking care of biz in this story. Oh, yeah. A lot of a lot of biz gets taken care of. We have eight-year-old Zion Harvey. Such a great story. He lost both of his hands and both of his feet due to a infection that he got. Sepsis, I think, yeah. And the doctors at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia gave him some new hands. He is the first. I tell you what, we'll just play the news package. Finally, tonight, an amazing little boy who just made astonishing medical history. He's faced some hard challenges in his young life, but his unbreakable spirit made him the ideal choice for a revolutionary operation that changed his life forever. Here's NBC's Rahema Ellis. For most of his young life, Zion Harvey, a spirited eight-year-old, has had the same dream. When I get these hands... I will be proud of what hands I get. Just weeks ago, his dream came true. And Zion made history as the first child ever to receive a double hand transplant. We've been on a mini roller coaster, you know, but Zion has always been a trooper. He's always prevailed. Great job. What this child has endured could defeat most grown-ups. At two years old, Zion developed a life-threatening infection. Both his hands and feet were amputated. Then he got a kidney transplant from his mom. For the groundbreaking procedure, a team of 40, including 10 hand surgeons, operated on Zion for nearly 11 hours at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. You can see the hand right here starting to pink up. New hands that will grow with Zion. We're just getting started and realizing medicine's potential to treat patients like Zion, we've made a big step forward with this operation. When I saw Zion's hands for the first time after the operation, I just felt like that's his mom. he was being reborn again. Okay, relax and open wide. Therapy relax. is exhausting, but Zion's determined. What will be your favorite thing to do once all the bandages come off? Pick up my little sister from daycare and wait for her to run in to my hand and I pick her up and spin her around. One tough little boy <laughs> blazing a trail for the future. Rahima Ellis, NBC News, Philadelphia. I need to get that woman for a co-host. She has an awesome voice. All right. That's, <laughs> that is not the subject of this Taking Care of Biz segment. Let me tell you something. This little guy, this little Zion Harvey, he's like the Rhett Crawett character that, you know, I give a damn. Yeah, he is so cute. It's, he is profoundly articulate and says shit that is you wouldn't expect from a teenager right? or, or even, a you know, an adult. So here, here's another little clip that kind of displays the, the indomitable spirit of this little kid. It's it just he's in a he is amazing. I wish I hope they have some kind of a. A, a, a GoFundMe or something for this kid because he is a rock star. I want to say to you guys, thank you for helping me through this bumpy road. 
if it didn't go well, it it would have, I would have my family to fall back on. Zion's a very unique child because at the age of two years old, he lost not only both his hands, but both his legs below the knee uh, based on infection or sepsis and had to be amputated. And when I met Zion, I said to him, and I didn't know what the response would be, why do you want hands? Eight-year-old, I'm figuring, what kind of response would he give me? He said, I want to climb on the monkey bars. I told him I wasn't going to cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's telling me to hold it together. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's amazing in his own right. Um, for me, it's just like a blessing. I've been blessed with a godsend, an angel, as I might call him. He gets mad when I say that, but he is. He's my strength. This is a new arena of um, reconstructive surgery. It's a new arena in transplant surgery. Well, this gives new hope, not only to the adults, but particularly children. And there are ethical issues and questions about the implications for that, but uh, that deceased child's hands and expression, if you will, will live on in Zion. And that's a pretty profound thing when you, you think about it. Well, first he said, I want mommy. <laughs> but I was there, so I stepped up, and then he said he wanted to see his hands. So I took a picture of them because he really couldn't look down and see them, and I showed him. So this is amazing because the doctors put hands on him. On his little stumps. Yes. I mean, that is remarkable. They said 11 hours in surgery. A team of 40 people, which included 10 hand surgeons. Think about that, though. All the nerve endings, all the capillaries, all the blood vessels, all the tendons. All, everything has to connect. It's hundreds, maybe thousands of things that have to, to line up and get connected. It's not just like stitching up a wound. This is crazy. The, the, the technology and the medical research and the hundreds of years of, of everything, of the compendium of our medical knowledge that goes into something like this is phenomenal. And so we are thankful to all those educated people that make me feel worthless <laughs> with how smart they are. Right. And also Zion Harvey for being so awesome and insightful and sweet and... And, and brave and strong. Just everything. Uh, he, inspirational. Right. I mean, he is the embodiment of all of that right it's awesome so we'll leave you there listen we love you i appreciate your patience during my downtime i don't know if once the steroids and the inflammatory anti-inflammatory whatever the other thing was that they gave me i don't know if it's going to come back i don't know what i'm facing here but uh right now i feel good so we'll <laughs> pray for him we will keep you posted if praying makes you feel good then that's for you go ahead uh, but we'll leave you there. We appreciate you, each and every one of you. We say it every time, and it doesn't get any less any less true. Uh, you guys mean the world to us. You make what we do possible, and we love what we do. So in large part, we have you to thank for this. Love one another, be genuine, and tell somebody else about the show that might enjoy helping us move the conversation forward. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
It's like, whoa, are the Isley Brothers here right now? Because this sounds great. <laughs>